Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. Uh, this morning, JMPD came here wanting to give us grief about the service and about our advertising, and they just kept on looking for reasons. But praise God, God changed their whole attitude, and we came off with just a warning about our advertising. And I want you to understand that currently there is a fight on about church. There is a fight on about the church. The virus and the pandemic and so on has weakened the position of the church. And Satan is trying to use that weakened position to shut churches down worldwide. It is not a frontline specific thing. It is not a South Africa specific thing. But there is a move out to shut churches down. If I am a Christian and I'm speaking to the online listeners now, it is a faith step at the moment to go to church. And to declare that churches will not close and we will stand with it. And on our watch, it will not change. We will not be the generation where churches shut down. We will not be the generation when the freedom of the church is taken away. Let's read in Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. So never be scared of being somebody's aid, somebody's assistant, because God often speaks to the one who's in that position. Next verse. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. Are you ready for God to do something new in your life? Or are you just comfortable where you are? God says, get ready. We're going to move. Okay. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Can we just stand there for a second? What does that mean? That if I walk down the street, I'm going to own the street. If I walk into somebody's house tomorrow, the house is going to transfer to my name. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that every place that you decide to take, not physical place only, but spiritual position that you're willing to say, I'm believing God for this thing, that becomes yours. You know, when Jared and I get a chance to quote on a new town to put fiber in we try and get somebody in that town as soon as possible Jared drove all the way to Natal the other day to go and walk in the streets of a city because we want to believe God for that city because God has said in this scripture that you can take it there so I want all of you are believing God for certain things and I want to give you a chance to put your foot down on that place. Can we have a mic up, please? Okay. Here's a mic ready for you. If you can we quickly clean it, Susie? Uh, Auntie Terry, can we quickly? We must need two mics yet to, to clean one and pass on. I need two ushers quickly to assist Terry. Okay. So if she gives one mic, okay. Okay, are you just going to hold it, but carry on? Trusting God for a permanent position. Yes, amen. Okay. What are we guys trusting God for? Trusting God for permanent residence in South Africa. Amen. Let's put our foot down for that. Trusting God for a new vehicle. Amen. Amen, amen. Trusting God for a breakthrough. Yes. I'm trusting God for financial freedom. Yes. Amen. Okay. Let's stop there then. If you got one, Dave, do you want to share? Or are you just holding for somebody? Okay. Let's put that scripture up again. Verse 3 there. Every place where you set your foot, I have given it to you. 
So as you speak it up, as you declare it, as you come up here and you take the mic, so it becomes yours. Every place where you declare what God wants, it is yours. You see, Christians has fallen into this trap that we think it's ours just because we are Christians. But you have to actually go and take it. You have to actually stand up and say, this is what I'm trusting God for. This is what I'm believing God for. Oh, I love it that my son stands up and says he's believing God for babies. Plural. Whoa. Then in verse 4, God says, Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittites country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Verse 5, listen to this. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. You will get opposition. You will get difficulties. Somebody is going to stand against you, but they will not be able to stay there. They will not be able to resist you long term. The jobs that you guys are trusting God for, the vehicles, all those things will come because God has said so. Every spiritual blessing that you've asked for, those that have asked for breakthroughs, those that have asked for positions, God says it's coming. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, Jesus, I want to share a testimony at this time. You know... We were negotiating and, and waiting for a position, a, a, a tender in Pretoria for years. It was supposed to start last year before COVID, and then it got delayed and delayed and delayed. Then it was going to start in October, and it got delayed. And we were working, and then the beginning of this year, we were allowed to start. But from what was going to be a huge contract, we got a small piece of it. And the moment we started... The community shut us down and said, you're not working in this area. We don't want white people working in this area. Apologize that I've got to bring race into it, but that's just the reality of it. And we sat through meetings after meetings after meetings. And so often I sat there and said, such a small little piece that they're giving us. Is it worth going through all of this effort? Is it worth sitting there for? And people see on my car that I say, Pastor Hannes, so in front of a lot of people, and they say, but you're a pastor. You must just stand back and let somebody else have the opportunity. And they got vicious and ugly. And I just thought, why, Lord, am I sitting here? And eventually on a Saturday afternoon, we got a call that come through now. We actually want you to work in this area. And I rushed through, and we signed an agreement. And then what happened was that because we had managed to get to an agreement with the community, six other areas opened up to us, like one the next day, one the next day, one the next day. Because nobody else was willing to sit down and engage with the community until we came to the same page, until we found each other, until it was there. And the very thing that was against us became the blessing. I'm not yet to talk about the community. I'm wanting you to understand this principle, that the very thing that is resisting you becomes your breakthrough. The very thing that is your weakness and says this is holding you back, God turns it around and that thing becomes your blessing. Does that make sense? So the very thing that you think is stopping you is the thing that God's going to turn around and make you victorious in it. There's a saying that says, why am I going through such deep water, God? Because your enemies can't swim. Because your enemies can't swim, God is taking you through difficult times. Because it's going to leave others behind as God is moving you forward. As God is moving you. So you might be going through a hard time at the moment. You might be challenged just like David was by Goliath or any other challenge of the lion and the bear and Daniel in the lion's den and all those things. But those were all moments of promotion, moments of shift, moments of God doing the next thing. So don't take your hardship as God not caring for you. Understand that your hardship is the platform that will move you to the next realm. It's the platform that will move you on.
verse 6. Well, let's do verse 5 again. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you feel that you've been left by God, if you feel that you've been neglected by God, if you feel God is not doing what he promised to do, go and talk about this scripture to him. Lord, you swore that you will be with me. You promised that you will never leave me nor forsake me. Let me understand this situation from your perspective. What are you busy doing here, God? Because this doesn't feel nice to me. This doesn't feel comfortable to me. But God is busy shifting. God is busy changing things. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. You have to be decide to be strong and courageous. You cannot take the promised land by being a wimp. You cannot take the promised land by sitting back and relaxing and just watching TV once at uh, church on TV once a week. You have to get up and do something. You have to get up and declare something. Maybe there's some more people that want to declare what God has got for them. Is there anybody else that wants an opportunity on a mic? Yes, Lelo, come. Bring us a mic, please, Auntie Terry. Or, Auntie Terry, if you hold the mic, then we don't have to every time cleanse it. So, yeah. Trusting in God to restore my family. Amen. Amen. Oh, something's happening in the spirit here. Uh, trusting the Lord for supernatural rest and reignition. Amen. Come here, Logan. Come here. Just before you declare, Uncle Victor. Lord Jesus, she's asking for a fresh fire, for a fresh ignition. I'm asking you to give it to her right now, Lord Jesus. Father, all the tiredness, all the tension, all the saying this is too much, let it all be gone because you have ignited something inside of her. You are taking her on a road, and nothing can stand in that way. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, carry on, Uncle Victor. God for God's favor and breakthrough. Amen. Amen. I'm asking God for a breakthrough for Amy. Amen. I'm declaring every drug house and every brothel on the West Strand a home cell. Pastor Wendy, come say that again. I'm declaring every house, every drug house and every brothel on the West Strand a home cell. Amen. Do you know why that is so important? In the story of Joshua, there was Rahab, which had a brothel. And God used her place to be the place of bringing the breakthrough for Jericho that brought the whole of Jericho to fall down. And God is going to use what you've just said to make brothels and drug houses in the West Rand to be the place of freedom, the place where people find Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. There is a result in following Jesus. There is an, something changes in your life when you follow Jesus. Wherever you go, you become successful. Oh, Lord Jesus. Uh, Uncle Victor, come up, please. Oh, No, it's okay. You can just come here for me. It's fine. Oh, Ronoko. Can I have an usher? Oh, You know what God did for you? That you pay off your rent. So God is going to do that you can do for many. God is going to restore 
a financial breakthrough so big that you can repay many people's rent. And God is going to do a supernatural thing. Mark this moment where this has happened. And God says, I'm anointing you to do that for many. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are doing it and you are imparting a financial blessing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Be strong and courageous. Keep this book of the law in your lips. That means talk about it. Don't just read it, but talk about it. Meditate on a day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. People are just asking God to do it without them doing anything. And God says, there's this thing. Study this plan I've given you. Get it in your heart. Get it in your soul. Let it come out of your mouth. Because we know the saying that says, what the heart is full of, the mouth will run over. In Afrikaans it says, what the heart van vol is, die mond loop oor. So it's going to come out of your mouth what's in your heart. So study it, the Bible to that point where that is what's coming out of your mouth. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God is saying, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take you to success. I'm going to take you to a prosperous place. And I'm going to be with you. One of my problems that I encounter with the prosperity message, when I read this, a whole lot of people discount themselves and says that's only for business people. A whole lot of people think they don't qualify for that. Do you see anything in that scripture about that it's only for some? Is there any qualification either than studying and following the Bible? There's no other qualification. Why did Jesus do so often make widows the example that's written into the Bible who sees provision come through? We know the widow with the jar of oil and the widow who said, I've just got one meal to make. There's many examples that God uses where widows become prosperous. Widows that has no hope. Widows that doesn't have an ancestry to depend on or privilege or BE or whatever other thing you might think stops you from reaching your success. They're down and out. They're in trouble just like some of us are. And then what does God do? He takes them and answer right in the midst of their crisis. So why do you think you are not included? Why do you find a reason to say this is not for me? Well, I'm only working for the church, or I've got a small salary, or I'm working for somebody else. How can God turn this around? Man, it's my dream to see each one of you. Doesn't matter where you are on your income scale. To see God turning it around, taking it up a step, taking it up a step, taking it up a step, moving God. There will be a time when you bring a testimony of God, gave me a lift when I didn't have money for Uber. Somebody stopped and gave me a lift. And you'll have testimonies like that. And then you will have testimonies of you getting a car, of you being able to provide the lift. There will be testimonies of you receiving your rent. And then there will be testimonies of you paying somebody else's rent. You see, we have to believe God is going to shift. God's going to take us to another place. That God is going to raise us up out of the struggle that we're facing right now. And as I'm saying that, you can mention your struggle to God. What, are, what is your challenge at this moment? What is the breakthrough that you need? Well, this is at this level. God's going to take it to another level. God's going to say that you can solve people's problems who are facing that challenge. Not only are you going to have the breakthrough in your life, but you're going to be able to take others through that same thing. Because this is what we just read. You are going to lead. Um, 
I've just read it. You will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. God wants us not only to receive our blessing. God wants us to grow to the place where we're leading others into receiving their blessing. So it doesn't matter how big your struggle is and how desperate your time is. I don't want you just to focus on saying, God, answer my need. I want you to say, God, answer my need in such a way that I can answer others' need. That I can do for somebody else what I need done in my life now. Let's say you need a thousand rand. Or 10,000 rand or 28,000 rand or whatever. Now see yourself giving that amount. See yourself giving that amount. Oh, Do not be afraid and don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The church of God got discouraged during the pandemic. We're not there on the edge of faith. Because we didn't yearn, we didn't experience the power of God on a daily time. So Joshua ordered, verse 10, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan. You have to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Get ready to take occupation of what God has promised you. If God's promised you a car and you don't have a driver's license, then an act of faith is getting your driver's license. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm not talking to anybody. But God is ready to release certain blessings. But we're not getting ready. We're not packing our provisions. We're not doing what God has said. Imagine if the Israelites didn't move when God said, pack your provisions. Because in three days' time, we're crossing the Jordan. You have to be ready for the blessing. You have to be in the realm of saying, I know God's going to do a miracle. I'm expecting it. I'm waiting for it. I'm doing what I have to do. Three days from now, we will cross the Jordan here to go and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving for your own. But now this is an important part for frontline. Verse 12 is specifically for frontline. I want to replace replace all those names. But frontline and half the tribe of the other churches, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, the Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Who's tired? Who has fought to the end of what they can fight to? God said, I'm going to give you rest. God said, I'm going to give you rest. God said, I'm giving you this land so that you can rest. But your your wives and your children and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you. Until they do have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. So this group has already attained what they wanted to attain. You see, Frontline is not bothered by the current limit on 100 people. Because we're not 100 people in the service. But God is saying, don't relax because you are not worried about this law. Because there's other churches that cannot function at 100. They've got 100 staff. They need 1,000 people in the church for it to function. And God says, don't you relax because you have received your blessing. Step in and fight in the fight until everybody has received their blessing. Step in there and believe not only for your fight, but for everybody around you. Oh, my word. South Africa, the challenge is that it's not about your fight. It's not about your struggle. It's about everybody's struggle. And we need to move as one. All the Christians in South Africa need to say, we're fighting it until everybody is free. We are fighting it until everybody sees the blessing of God. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest. 
as he has done for you. Until they too have taken possession of the land. It's not about me. It's not about you. It is about the church of God that needs to take possession of what God has promised you. We're in it together. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you, east of the Jordan, towards the sunrise. All righty. Can we read Isaiah 54 and verse 17, please? Oh, Shiandaranoko. If you've got that one, we added it on later on. I hope you have it. Yes. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. You see, this declares that we have to fight. We have to know that there's going to be somebody that rises up against us. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be difficult days. Jared, can you create some opposition for me, please? Jared has a plan, so don't worry too much. Yeah. Just some of this side, yeah. You see, keep the scripture up for me. Isaiah 54, verse 7, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That means that some weapons will be formed against you, but they will not prosper. And every tongue which rises up in the judgment against you, you will condemn. You can't just leave it and sit back. You have to fight back. There's tongues rising up against front line. Can we take a moment together and just say that no weapon formed against front line shall prosper. Lord God, we pray for everybody that speaks against Frontline. Father, we pray that they will have an encounter with your love. And that they will become one with us instead of against us. Lord, I see the very neighbors that are declaring that they want Frontline gone. I see them worshiping here in the front. I see them repenting from having a tongue that speaks out against this church. And every single one that puts up any opposition against that which belongs to this group, that belongs to the frontliners, we rise up in one voice and we say, you shall not prosper. No weapon formed against any people of God and specifically frontline will prosper in the name of Jesus. So yes, Joshua, yeah. And the promised land is there. Was the promised land just empty and ready for them? There were many cities. Jericho, Ai, and all other cities were there. And they were occupied. And what did God says? Go and occupy. And they come and they look at Jericho. No, 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 hang on. That's, that's quite strong. They're, they, 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 they're stronger than us. They're fortified. They, 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 many of them. Did he go back? No, that's what Moses did. When the spies came out and looked at the cities like Jericho under Moses, 10 of them came back and said, no ways, we can't do it. And two of them said, we can. Now it's the time that they are being led by one of those two. They are being led by the very one who said, we can do it. And they reached the opposition and we know they walked around it and Jericho fell and it was exciting and they moved on to the next opposition and there was I and the people had stolen some of the stuff from Jericho that they weren't supposed to steal. They didn't listen to God and they hit the next opposition and many of them died. Jared, you can take the, the obstacle away. What I want to try and get through for us is that there is obstacles between you and what God has for you. But it doesn't change what God said. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we fall short. Sometimes we don't have the victory. But the promise is still true. God still tells Joshua, occupy. After the defeated I, and I'm not having enough time now to go into it, Joshua fell on his face and spent 24 hours crying in front of the ark. 
and said, God, why are we here? How come your promise didn't work? What happened? And God said, they're sinning the camp. They're not doing what I told them to do. Because the riches look too enticing. So, well, I'm not going to wait till God makes me rich. I'll just take some for myself. I'll just step out outside of God's plan. And they get into trouble. And the whole city falls on their face, put ash on their head, and say, God, what's wrong? And God says, you need to repent. You need to go back a step. And go again. Cleanse us at your house. Make sure that you are doing what I said to you to do. Because I've given you the plan. I've given you the process. And if you're running ahead of me and trying to take a shortcut, you're going to come short. But it doesn't change what God has said about the word in the end. Mandy and I, mom and I, have all the badges of doing it wrong. We have all the badges. You don't have to make the same mistakes. We can help you to not make the same mistakes. Because God has taken us and we've lost everything and we've fallen our face before him and say, God, what is wrong? Why? How come we end up here again? And God lifts up again. God builds up again. And the vision stays true. So there's a couple of areas that we need to take dominion as a church. There's a couple of areas that you need to take up the promised land in. It's not just one area. The first area is your salvation. You cannot even think of fighting the devil on any other area until you've sorted out and given your life to Christ. We don't preach about giving your life to Christ every Sunday for an hour because the church as a whole has already done that. We're trying to move us to the next phase. But you've got to get the basics right and give your life to Christ. There is no way around that. That is the first fight. Oh, Philippians 2 and verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2, 12. You have to work out your salvation. It doesn't just happen. There's a constant fight in your mind about, is Jesus alive? Has he really paid the price for you? Are you included? Are you going to heaven? Let's look at the second word, part of that verse. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because you know what? You might even lose it. If there was no chance of losing it, there would be no fear and trembling involved. If you couldn't possibly mess up, then there would be no fear and trembling involved. But God says, work out your salvation on a consistent basis. It is not just a once-off, lift your hand up in church, and now from there on everything is hunky-dory. It is a process of all the time saying, God, am I in right standing with you? Have I dropped the ball? Am I really, truly ready for you? And you work on your spiritual salvation all the time. I'm not yet to be a theological argument about once saved, always saved. All I'm saying is that the Bible says you have to work it out. You have to stay in the fight. You have to never let your guard down. That's why he says, I've given you the armor. Because there's a fight on for your salvation. There's something that Satan wants from you. And he's after it day and night. So the first fight, and that you've got to understand the promised land is your eternal life salvation. The same way that Joshua had to take occupation of the promised land. So you have to take occupation of the eternal life. You've got to say, it's mine, God, and nothing's going to rattle it. Nothing's going to shake it. I will not give it up. It's got quite quiet in here. The second area of fight is your health. Understand that God has wanted you to be healthy. Understand that God has paid the price, not only for your sin, but also for your health. And you fight this fight day and night. There's nobody 
on earth that can say they've won the fight about health. It is a consist, consistent, continual thing that you fight in the natural and you fight it in the spiritual. You get every scripture about health into your heart. You make sure you live right and you eat right because God says this is a fight that you're in and that fight is up to the last day of your life. And every time Satan comes after your health, you say, I'm possessing what God has promised. There's hundreds of scriptures, just like um, Brandon said about giving. So there's hundreds of scriptures about healing. Okay. Why has it got so quiet here? The third area is the financial well-being. When we talk about taking possession, people immediately think this is what we're talking about. But it's not the only thing we're talking about. But it is very clearly also that God said to Joshua, you are going to prosper in this land. God said, you're going to have rest in this land. God said, you're going to be successful at everything that you put your hand to. Every place on which your foot shall tread, I've given it to you. Whatever you do, I have already given it to you. So you have to stay in this fight day and night. You have to say, I am included. When God said to Joshua, you will be successful in this land. Yeah, oh, but look, at I lost my job. Look, I only have a menial job. I'm not that qualified. Whatever excuse you have. God rips that page out. And today is the day that you've got to allow God to rip that page out once and for all. You are included in that place. But you've got to hear what God is saying. To try and explain it to you, in my 20s, I was manager of Sasco um, in Neisner. Had a comfortable house, company house, a company car. And we lived reasonably comfortably. Most afternoons I was home by four and we could still get a fit in a fishing session in the afternoon and had a very comfortable life. But I knew we were called for more. I knew we were called to there. And I could have stayed there and I was doing that, doing my hobby as much as I want to, serving in the church and be comfortable for the rest of my life. That option was open to me. But I walked around with a folder, with a spreadsheet on what I believed God had called me to business in my suitcase. It was wherever I went in my car was this spreadsheet with me because I believed God wanted me to be in business. And I foolishly believed that my only reason why I'm not in business is money. Since then, I've learned that you don't need more money. You need a better plan. If you think that money is the barrier between you and business, you will never step into it. Because it's a barrier that you have put up in your own mind. God can move you into another realm without giving you a lot of money. But because I believed, I thought the barrier was money, and I thought that that was a barrier, and I put my faith out for that. One day in a saddle steak ranch, I met a man, I shared my vision, and he said, well, go fetch your spreadsheet if you have it. I fetched it. I showed it to him. He didn't say much. The next morning, he found me, what is your bank account number? This was in the 1990s. And he transferred 150,000 rand into my bank account the next morning. No contract signed. No, how are we going to share profits? No plan. He said, I believe in the vision that you have. Let's start this business. Now, if that is not a miracle, I only met him once. I didn't know him. I, he didn't know anything about me except that my pastor said, you can trust him. God answered my prayer because I thought that was the obstacle. Since then, I've learned that God can make plans way outside of money. God can override the need for money by just giving you another plan. You do not need money to be successful. You do not need money to change your circumstances. God can do it. He can give you a car to use. He can give you a house to live in and all of those things because the Bible talks more about stewardship than about ownership. 
Now it's got quiet here. But I want you to understand that that business then didn't succeed. That business was a huge mess. Because it also wasn't where God was calling me. It also wasn't where God wanted me to be. And he would have left me in that little business for the rest of my life with that limited vision. But he had to call me out of there into another place. And I remember we, we, we begged the lift with a friend of ours to come up to that very same man and said, sorry, the business didn't work. And he had put more money into the time. So by the time I came to see him, I owed him, what, 250,000 rand, which today is two and a half million rand, I would say is the equal equation of it, equal amount of it. And I came to see him and I was scared because he was a ruthless businessman and he's well known for his ruthlessness. And I came to see him and he said, sit down, women stay here, me and Anas are going to the restaurant to talk. And he said, before you say a word, God has told me you must go into full-time ministry and I must write off this debt. And not only did God say, I must write off this debt, I must bless you with a holiday year. Go to the palace of the lost city and spend a week there with your wife. You came up to Joburg with a lift, but go back down in the aeroplane. Why? Not because I'm special, but because when God speaks, there's a shift. Something happens. And... It doesn't matter if you make a mistake. It doesn't matter if you hit an obstacle. God will take you through that time and he will reestablish you. And so I want to say, church, start believing God to change you into another realm. Oh, Shiana, we've spoken about health. We've spoken about the revelation of finances. First time I'm preaching with glasses on and I'm battling a little bit, but it's okay. Thank God for the miracle of glasses. <laughs> In any revelation of something, how it works, God first has one person with that revelation. Do you know before Jesus came, there was who? John the Baptist. Just one man walking around preaching, the kingdom of God is at hand. Then came Jesus. Eventually, Jesus sent out the 70. Eventually, all over the world, people were believing in Jesus. But it started with one man. In the 80s, the people started preaching about healing. In South Africa. And there was one here and another one there. And it was quite far spread because the concept that God wants to heal us was a weird concept. We did believe that every time the Bible spoke about healing, that he's talking about spiritual healing. We didn't understand it spoke about physical healing. And I sat in many sermons where the Domini preached against people talking about healing. God's will isn't to heal everybody and things like that. But as you study the scriptures, you realize God's will is to heal everybody. And today, you don't have to go to some special man somewhere that has the anointing. I remember in the town Stanger, in Natal, there was a man that had a healing ministry. And we as a family drove up from Neisner to get the man of God in Stanger pray for us. Because he was the only one who had the revelation about healing. We didn't understand that anybody can pray for anybody. Today, anybody can pray for anybody in a parking lot, in a hospital, in business, in church, wherever, in home cell, we see the miracles happening. It's not anymore a strange phenomenon. It is a real thing for all of us. But the revelation took some time to get there. And the same thing with the process about financial prosperity. Here and there, one or two people gets the revelation. But God is not interested in superstars in his ministry. God is not interested in doing it for the one or the two here and there. God is interested in doing it for everyone. Unless do you really believe God can do it for everyone in this church? Do I believe he can heal everybody here? Do I believe everybody here can go to heaven? Then let's read the scripture. Oh, praise God. 
Are you excited? Three John and verse two. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in just as your soul prospers. So if just as your soul prospers is for everybody, if everybody can get saved and that you be in health just the way that your soul is in health, though you can also prosper. In the same realm, is some of you half saved, sort of like saved, a little bit saved? No, you're either going to heaven or hell. You can't get your toe go to heaven and your body go to hell. You are wholly saved, completely saved. You are going to heaven if you give your life to Christ. Jesus didn't do a half job as far as salvation is. Keep the scripture up for me. So as your soul prospers completely... So, your body should prosper completely. Because that's what he said, as your soul prospers. So, I want your body to prosper. I want you to be whole in every aspect. Yeah, but you don't understand, all of my family had this issue. My whole family suffers from this. As your soul prospers. As your soul prospers. Completely. Every little bit did Jesus die for your ancestral sin? Okay, then he died for your hereditary sicknesses. Is that real? As your soul prospers. That's what the scripture says. Sorry for you, it's yeah. As your soul prospers. And then, I pray that you may prosper in all things. And be in health as your soul prospers. So, whatever is happening in your going to heaven must happen in your health, must happen in your finances. But the problem is, yeah, in our finances, some are doing well and others are struggling. In our health, some of us are doing well and others are struggling. But then we believe, yeah, God did a complete job. He did a complete job for all of it. He did a complete job for all of it. It's your promised land. It's standing there ready. But God says, come and be courageous and take it up. What does he tell Joshua? The first verse that he tells Joshua. Oh, verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. So God is wanting us to be strong and courageous. And you need to be strong and courageous in the area of health and fight every single sickness that comes against you. Don't take anything and say, well, this is just a cold. I can live with that. We asked if God died for your ancestors sins and those sins which you have a natural bend towards yes he died for that then we declared that he died for all your naturally illnesses that you have an inclination for if you go to the doctor for a heart ailment what is the first question he asks you yes how did your dad die how did your brothers die anybody else in your family is that right So the first thing he asks you, what did you inherit that had nothing to do with what you do? He asks you, the doctor's medical science understands that there's something that you received. That you have a natural bend towards. And then they try and address it. But God has already paid for that which is your natural bend, both in sin and in sickness. But nobody asks you, what is your natural bend as a family? What is your inheritance as a financial situation? Okay. Oh, why is it so quiet here? God is saying... 
that he has paid the price. The same way that he paid for your soul, that he paid for your health, so he paid for your finances. I don't care where you come from. I don't care where you're going. I don't care what you do and what you don't do. Sounds bad. People say, I mustn't say, I don't care. They say it means I, I don't have empathy. I have empathy for your situation. But God does not want to leave you there. God is tired of the church just taking, well, it's not for me. And there's even a racial tone to that. It's only for specific races. And it's only for those that live in a certain suburb. And it's only for those who drive a certain car. You'll make me swear in church. Okay, that's how seriously I feel about it. Which one can I use as a, as a strong word? Absolute nonsense. Okay? Get it into your heart that God wants to take you into the promised land. What if you have a position that gets a low salary? Does it apply to you? Amen. God is not phased by who you are or what you do. He is phased by, are you taking his promises seriously? Oh, my word, Lord Jesus, take this church, Lord God, and let us prosper the way our soul prospers. Make that prayer of John's your prayer daily. Sort out your salvation on a fear and trembling on a daily basis. Then sort out your health on a daily basis. Don't let one day go by without you praying for your health, without you checking what you're eating, without you making sure you get enough exercise. Ain't not Jesus? How can I preach it myself? Make sure you do what you need to do for your health. And then take that same principle into your financial position. And say, God, I don't know how while I'm doing this job, you can make me prosper. But you can. You, I know you can. I understand your promises. Your promises are for each one of us. Your promises are not only for the business people. Because that is why you used so many times the widows that had no other plan but Jesus. There's your circumstances. And then there is but Jesus. Jesus wants to be involved in your daily struggle on a level that is beyond your comprehension. Beyond your understanding. In every area of your life. You can add relationships and you can add children and parents and brothers and sisters and everything to this. I'm just drawing it on the three things today. But it can go into every area that you want it to go. Because he said to Joshua, whatever place you put your foot... Maybe some of you need to get up and put your foot down and saying, this area, I'm putting my foot down. You don't have to come up and do the mic, but make some faith statement to declare that God is on your life and God is going to move. Do you know there's two ways of things changing? One of them is where somebody prays for you. The other one is where you have the revelation. Where you get to grips with God. Where you understand that God's going to do it. And today I, I want that to happen. I want you to have a revelation that God wants to do something special in your life. God has not just called you to stay the way you are. I hate the advert that comes from our early days when they still had alcohol adverts that mainstay said, you can stay as you are or you can change to mainstay. It only gives you the option of going to that. But the option is you can stay as you are or you can change to Jesus. Amen. You can stay as you are or you can allow God to change your whole life. I could have stayed in a menial job, in a comfortable job, in a little town where... I had everything I needed. And I was okay. But God put something inside of me that said, there's more. There's a change. There's something else to pursue. 
And this is what I want to impart, that it applies to everybody. My dad died while I was at school, so my mom was a widow that couldn't pay for us for studies, though we didn't have a job when we came out. We came out of life with very little. We got married very early and had children early and had to build our life out of nothing, without a qualification, without anything big going for us. But God took us one step and another step and another step and another step. And it was always against resistance. It was never just fallen into our lap. But we had to always push. We had to always say, God, there's another thing. And the greatest enemy of prosperity is comfortableness. It's not poorness. It is comfortableness. If you are comfortable at a level, you'll stay at that level. If you feel, well, this is working for me, I'm doing better than the others of my family, I'm okay, then you're going to stay there because you got comfortable there. You are not anymore pushing in to possess. You have to keep on pushing in to possess, not for your sake, because you have to lead others. You have to to lead others into that thing. You have to say to others, God took me from here where I was flat out. I was 49 when I got declared bankrupt. Thought there was no chance of getting up. Thought I'd had my chance and I've messed it up. Well, we got declared bankrupt because we married in community of property. But I'm talking about my and my personal struggle. Satan said to me, three times you've tried and three times you didn't work. Just stay down. Just stay down. Because it's not worth the pain of trying to take a step out. It's not worth the embarrassment when things go wrong. It's not worth declaring a prosperity message while you are bankrupt. God, but Jesus, get this sum into your hand, one plus one plus Jesus, because this is not my revelation, um, it is, uh, I forget his name, for Tudor Bismarck shared this revelation, one plus one plus Jesus, so it doesn't matter how small your one plus one is, because Jesus is bigger than whoever has got a big one plus one. Elon Musk's one plus one plus Jesus. There's such a small difference between your one plus one plus Jesus and his one plus one plus Jesus. Because Jesus is so big, it just erases what's on the start. It is irrelevant what is yours because Jesus is so big. It's like... The difference uh, on a mountain, if one is standing on an anthill and another one is standing on the grass, but you see the mountain. You don't see that the one is standing on an anthill and the other one is standing on whatever you can have in your life. It's only an anthill. What God has is a mountain. And it's irrelevant who, whatever you're standing on. So forget about your past. Forget about your position. Look at that plus Jesus. Look at and understand that he's here to change us. Okay, the fourth area that we need to fight in before I get carried away. Oops, notes are a bit mixed up now. <laughs> the fourth area is the fact that the church has got so much pressure currently to close down that we cannot just fight our own fight. We cannot just say, I'm going to sort myself out. We need to fight for our children. Where do children get Sunday school? Not on online services, but right here in church. Where do we worship? Right here in church. I'm sorry to say there's very few churches can put up a worship service that works online. Most people, and I've done it myself, we switch off until the worship is finished, and then we switch on after the worship is done. What an insult to God. What an insult to the Almighty Father. 
Oh, well, God, somebody else's word is more important than worshiping you. And I want to tell the online people watching, you need to get into church. Even if you can have the same sermon at home, there's a place where you can worship God and fall on your knees. These pillows are not just here for decorations. They are here because there's a day when you need to say, God, in front of my brothers and sisters, I'm falling on my knees to declare that you are Lord of my life. To say that I am nothing and you are all. There's a call at this stage to make a stand. And there isn't a greater stand that a Christian can take than getting into church. If your church is full and they cannot take more people, there is many churches, including us, that still are allowed to take people. Don't use an excuse that you can't get into your church. Get into church because the commandment from God is not getting to that church, it's getting to church. Gather together with the saints. I'm telling you, even the deadest, quietest church that doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit is better than not getting into church. Let's get into church in this time to make a statement and declare to the government that we will not be shut up. We will not stop getting into the place where we can serve our God. I'm now going to pray, but it's up to you to say, what of today's service is for me? What of today's service am I lacking in? What of today's place have I become comfortable in? And the anointing is so strong here because I feel like a sadness from the Holy Spirit. Because there are people that are still saying it's not for me. There are people that are saying, yeah, that's for them. and Maybe my children one day or so on. But I, it cannot be for me. I'm not good enough. I haven't done right. I don't have the right thing or whatever. And God is saying, it doesn't matter who you are. I have a plan for you. And I want to take you on a journey with me that will be such an adventurous journey. He never said to Joshua, it's going to be easy. He never said to Joshua, it's going to all fall into his lap. I want those that are unemployed now to say, thank you, God, for me being unemployed because now I have to trust you. If you are unemployed at this stage, you're at a place where you have to believe that he's going to shift you. You might have been comfortable and he's kicked you out of the nest. Thank you, God, for kicking me out of the nest because now I can fly. Now I can fly. I will never be able to fly in the nest. Lord God, every unemployed person in this place, every person who is struggling to get something on their feet, every person that is feeling the opposition more than what they are feeling your anointing, just like Joshua did after the war of Ai, and he came back and he fell at the altar, and he said, God, give me the revelation of how to overcome this. So I pray for every unemployed person to have a revelation of your plan for them. Lord, the physical things that must fall in place, I know will come when they have the revelation of your plan for them. Every single business, every single place that is in a struggling position, every single one that is in that place where they are desperate for you, God. I speak now into that desperation. And I say, no, God, I know you have a plan. I know you will bring to prosper. One after the other, after the other. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I pray a blessing over everyone here. I pray that you let them have a week of encounter after encounter after encounter. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God bless you. Have a lovely, lovely week. Remember, next week is going to be crazy.
We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website, www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.